Good morning, Methods, live from Greece, as per usual, since I've come here. Does that make sense? I don't know, who knows. Um, let me update you a bit what's happened. So since the last voice note, I was loving life, you know, in the theatre where Socrates got ridiculed and I was walking around the Acropolis in the sun, no problem, just basking it. Like, what a day, one of the best days. Then as the day went on, my hip flexor, which I felt tight on Sunday's event, so last week, Sunday, Octagon event, started tightening up really fast. I thought, right, hip flexor's tightening up. I need to sign up for the gym because I'm going to be here for another week. So I went to this gym, signed up, and I thought, you know what, I'll do some stretching. I'll stretch my hip flexor, you know, the classic hip flexor stretches. And it was so painful. Like, I've never had my hip flexor that painful, but I thought, I'll stretch it out to do some light legs, just get blood flowing. Anyway, on the by the time I tried to walk home, I was walking home so slow, like a slug. I was like dragging my right leg. I was like, "This is, this is not good. Like this can't be. This can't be right." I've never felt it in this much pain. So I thought, you know what? I'm not gonna panic about this and be like, "Why is my life so shit? I've only just arrived." I just like woke up the next. Like I couldn't sleep that night. It was the most painful night's sleep I've had in ages. Just couldn't sleep. Any position was painful, and I didn't have any. Neurofen on me until the next day where I had to wake up and go to the pharmacy to get it. Anyway, I phoned up this, like, you know, uh, who's the person you see for this? So, orthopedic, I believe it was. Phoned up orthopedic. It's like, hello, can you see me? Emergency. He was like, yeah, yeah, come half ten. Turn up half ten. Did some tests. He was like, yeah, you need an x-ray. Went next door, got an x-ray within half an hour and then went back to him with the x-rays and then he was like, yeah, need an MRI. And then, uh, Went back next door for a, I'd have a COVID test and then I'd get MRI. It cost me like 250 euros. So it's not too, like obviously you claim it back on health insurance, but for the speed, it's unbelievable. Got an MRI. This is the first time I had an MRI ever. So I am, I say I'm, I'm not, I'm not full on claustrophobic, but small spaces really freak me out. Like when I think of go, crawling through a tunnel and stuff like that, it just gives me the shivers, right? So the MRI machine, if anyone's had one, is you are in this tiny little tunnel for 30 minutes. So I never thought that I'd experience my th- first MRI in a hospital where English isn't their first language. And I was like, look, I think I'm claustrophobic. So, But I saw it as a test. Like I was like, I wonder how my mind is going to react, right? And as soon as I laid back on it, and as soon as my head went in, uh, they said, you okay? And I just felt this like wave across my body of like, in a sense, a, pa- a, sl- a slight panic. And I was like, yeah, am I, am I going in deeper? She's like, yeah, you're going into the back. So your entire body will be in it. And when my, my body went to the back of it, I just started observing. So what I'm telling you guys about food is I started observing without trying to change stuff, my thoughts. And I was looking. I wasn't closing my eyes. I was looking. And I was like, look. I was just looking. And I was seeing this kind of crazy thoughts, like wanting to panic, wanting to press that button to get out, you know, tensing up and stuff. But after about like one, one minute or something like that of just observing and just kind of relaxing into it, I didn't find I had any of the claustrophobia that I thought I'd have in the MRI machine at all. I just felt fine. And, you know, at some moments I'd be like, wow, I am really tight to this tunnel. Like, I am really... And then this machine going all crazy and all that. Um, You know, making all weird noises. 30 minutes as well. You can't exactly sleep as well because of noise. So, yeah, like, that was my first encounter in ancient Greece using stoicism. The first part of using stoicism was, of course taking the, the view from above on this hip injury, this hip flexor t- tear that I've got, being like, will it matter in, in a few months? No. So am I going to let this hip flexor tear ruin what is going to be a life t- journey of lifetime for me? No, of course not. 
you know, I'd have to walk slower. I'm walking with a, with a limp, like I love it. I should have a crutch release. Really. I walk on the clutch, I go, oh, please, guys, help me. <laughs> but it's all good. And then having the MRI is fine. And I've got to wait now to get the results on Tuesday, which is today. His voice note will go out. So I'll see if it's a full-on tear or a small tear, depending. It's either a one or two-week, take it slow, or it's going to be a six-week thing. So there we go, guys. Things never go as planned, do they? But let's get back to... Some wisdom from Greece. So I was in Delphi, the Oracle of Delphi. I did a post on my Instagram bit about it. You've all heard about it, no doubt. The Oracle of Delphi is famous. And these people used to go there now to get predictions. And used to pay a lot of money, sacrifice a goat, all this type of stuff. You could go if you were from Delphi, you could go as a Greek, you could go as a non-Greek, you could pay as a, as a city-state, as a country, or you could pay as an individual. And it was essentially a business for Delphi. Like, they were making a lot of money from this. And, um, you know, they, you could go... Uh, nine times a year on the seventh of every month and then they were like okay well people want to come more uh, more frequent so we'll do like a smaller version where they'll pick out like a black bead or a white bead and the black bead means yes and the white bead means no so they proper turned it into a little business right and uh, this business was making money and Delphine people were people would make huge decisions on it like one um one kingdom i can't remember the name next to greece went to Delphine's like look Will I win the battle if I attack Persia, the Persian Empire? And, they were, and then the Delphi Oracle said back, if you attack one great nation will crumble or something along those lines. And he's like, okay, they're going to crumble. But the great nation to crumble was his. So he attacked and then he lost. And, you know, the, the thing with the Oracle and the Delphi is that no matter what the outcome is, it could be right or wrong. Kind of like politicians, you know? So... It was basically just a way for people to <clears throat> want, they just wanted one piece of reassurance that they were going to do something. Even though in the back of their minds, they might have thought this is a bit of a bullshit. They just need that little nudge to do it. And I think a lot of us need that. A lot of us, we, we oh, I want to wear this shirt. Does it look good? Yeah, okay, I'll wear it. Oh, I don't know if I should do this. Yeah, you should do it. Okay, I'll do it. You know, we just need a little nudge. We just need people to tell us it's going to be all right. We need to, we, and it's, it's an even a grand, more, it's a grand experience when it's an Oracle thing in Delphi and it's an amazing place. They still haven't, um, you know, digged out all of it yet. And it's unbelievable. There's a stadium there, there's the, the temple, uh, there's a theatre there. So it was a huge thing back in the day. And we still, we, we think we're different to the people back then. We're not. Now, we, are, we, do, we, we believe in horoscopes. We believe in star signs. We believe in the moon stuff, all in the moon bullshit. We believe in crystals. We believe in stock market insiders. We believe some people know stuff, some people don't. We psychics, all this stuff. We still believe in these things, just in different ways. Um, you know, those tar, what they call tar, tarot cards and all this n- nonsense. And we, in a sense, we, get, we, we feel there's a bit of peace by an out external power telling us what our future is going to be. We're always looking for security. We're always looking for that because we're insecure. Our ego is so insecure. It needs to know outcomes. It has to know. And if it has, if there's an inkling of something that can give us an outcome or a prediction, we will want it. We'll pay for it. But the 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 the, the lesson really is there is no security in anything we do. There, everything's risky. You know, Jim Rohn, classic. If you think trying is risky, wait till you get the bill for not trying. So it's risky if you try. It's risky if you don't try. It's maybe more risky if you don't try. And it, everything is risky, like, you know, and there's that classic quote, you know, you're not getting out of life alive and all that stuff. And it's true in the end. Like, we think we do this and that and this and this and that and security, this. In the end, 
we never survive life about basically and you can look at it that way if you want as a, a kind of extreme way but when i was in delphi i was walking around right oh my god the americans oh so sorry for americans listening but guys you're so annoying you are so loud obnoxious it can be labeling everyone as this but the amount oh my god should have seen a load of it so sure of themselves saying stuff that was completely wrong but saying in with such conviction i was listening to some stuff about I, I can't say anything i can't and he was saying stuff like there's mount olympus up there i was like oh it's not fucking mount olympus like this you know mount olympus is miles away from here um but I did meet uh, a really a, a nice guy, actually, Graham from San Diego. So I was walking up the mountain. I noticed him with our walking tour. So the tour we had, like, bless her. She was talking so much. And I was like, listen, I haven't come for you to talk. I've come just to take me there. I will explore it. You can say the bare minimum. But I don't want all these nonsense jokes. And, you know, this walking tour was so slow. I walked to the top and back down to the top and back down, right, with a bad hip by the time they even got to the middle part where the temple was. And this guy had the same idea as me. We just walked off. So I was walking up. He was walking back down. Bumped into him. <clears throat> I was like, God. He's like, should we go to the top? I was like, well, we're not going to the top, are we? She's like, nah, they're only going halfway. I was like, that's terrible. Went to the top where the stadium is. I was like, this stadium is mad. Like 5,000 people stadium for the Pythian Games, which was second to the Olympic Games in size. They would do... They was better, in a sense, better than the Olympic Games because they had... Um, art and singing and dancing as competitions not just the athletics part but we we sat down and spoke and actually um, he is a twin twin brother not identical I was like I'm a twin as well mate not identical either shockingly it's my sister Um, and his brother had studied philosophy and got him into philosophy and now he's well into this we spoke about stoicism and our perception what truth is all this deep stuff sitting on a rock overlooking the theatre and the, um, the, the old temple. And it's just, you know, what more can you ask for? You know, when you go on there and you just have these, like, proper chats. And he was a really nice guy and had some really good points. And came down to, like, I shared on my story about Plato's theory of forms, which is that, like, we're all in a cave looking at the wall. There's a, there's a fire behind us and there's people walking between the fire and us, our backs, and we see on the wall the shapes of these people walking past. So the truth is that those people are all kind of different and all that, but we just see these, we just see these kind of shapes on the wall. And then one day, one of us gets uh, unlocked, essentially, and we go outside to see the truth. We see things real. We see things clearly for the first time, not just the image of things. We go back into the cave to tell our mates who are stuck still on the chains about what we've seen. They can't see us. They can only see our image on the wall. And our voice is distorted. And they think we're crazy, right? And Plato was saying that a lot of what we see is simply the wrong rehash of what people are saying, right? And I've said this before, like Christopher Murphy talks about it. The description isn't the described. What people, you know, someone first saw a tree for the first time. I say history a lot as an example. Someone saw a tree for the first time. Never labelled a tree. There was no such word for tree. See, so look at this thing. They looked at the tree, looked at what it was, really looked at it, saw it for what it was. And then the label came, that's a tree. And now we never look at trees differently. We say, that's a tree, that's it. There's no more. But every single tree is different. Got different shapes and sizes and all this stuff. And we're just happy with labels. So we never really see the truth of things anymore. We just see the labels. 
And if someone comes and tries to tell us the truth of things, we think they're crazy. Like, you might think I'm crazy now saying, look at a tree without the word tree. A Scotch trap, that's crazy. Well, actually, can we see things for the first time every single time so we can see the actuality of it? That's what Plato was getting at. Like, are we just content with the you know forms and images and, and the wrong perception? And that's what being a American guy we're talking about. is like, look, you're American. You think this way. I'm from Wales. I think that way. But... When we were talking, I was like, how most people talk is, you're talking to me right now. My brain is then um, basically deciphering what you're saying or like as, is, is, is listening to what you're saying and, but then listening in, in its own certain way. So I'm not actually listening to what you're saying. I am basically trying to translate what you're saying. I'm trying to reply back in my head. And I'm not actually listening to what you're actually saying. Myself is already trying to... So basically trying to, what's the word like I'm trying to look for? You know, you're not truly listening because you're already thinking what to say back. And then he's doing the same thing. And I was like, I'm talking to you and your mind is already just like uh, interpreting what I'm saying. And then it's already trying to get a reply back. And then you're not really listening. You're just waiting for your turn. And then you say your bit. And it's two monologues back at each other. We're not really listening, right? And he, was, he had agreed with it. And I was like, can we speak without all our nonsense? Can we speak without me, myself, trying to always intercept what you're saying or trying to make, try and ex, um, describe what you're saying to myself? Can I just listen without the self being involved? Can I just listen intently? Can we do it? You know, and that's really what we should be looking at doing when we're communicating with people, not so much just like trying to get your word in, because that's what most people talk, just trying to get the words into each other, shouting over each other. That's not communication at all. And that's how we communicate. That's a problem. So yeah, I spoke to him, and then we had food, um, and then we were sitting down with this two older American couple, and they were talking about like, you know, Trump and all this stuff, and what we can do about it, and we were like, well, do we really live in a democracy? And I was like, do we really live in a democracy? Socrates and Plato didn't agree with democracy. Thought it was stupid because if you have a ship and it's going down, who would you want running that ship? 60 experts at being able to run a ship or 60 random people picked through voting for a democracy who might not have the actual skills. Of course, you want the experts. So Plato and Socrates wanted their society with the experts in the right areas running the place as opposed to just elected people who are sophists, who can say a lot, who can persuade people. A lot of people can persuade people, but there's nothing of substance behind the persuasion. That is the world we live in. They, they, they predicted this 2,500 years ago. They were like, these sophists, they sound great, they will tell you what you want to hear, you'll vote for them, and there's no substance behind anything they're saying, and then you have an absolute shit show to deal with, as opposed to... We need to build a society where our leaders have got no personal gain, but they're actually trained in the right expertise in different areas. And Plato was like, the best society is when philosophers become kings and kings are philosophers. And the only philosopher king we know of is Marcus Aurelius. And yeah, he, he had, all, he had all, all the philosopher qualities. He ran the Roman Empire, had many issues to deal with, but... The prob- Plato looked at the problem as there's too much individualism going on. 
I can't believe how accurate it is. All we think about today is personal gain. What do I get out of this? And he was like, as long as we think about what I get out of every scenario, there's no thinking of the greater good. And when there's no thinking of the greater good, it's always the greedy, corrupt people who keep taking. And that's what politics is today. MPs used to earn more money, some of them. Rushi Sinak used to earn millions as a banker. Now he's earning about 150k or 80k as a, as a chancellor, right? You have to wonder why he's taking a lower paid job because in actual fact, it is more pay for him somehow because he's corrupt. He's doing deals on the sly for his mates. He can probably cut back from it. Cayman Islands, all the Tories doing all the COVID packages that are illegal, all that stuff. And, you know, it's all corrupt. So people are doing stuff for self-interest. As, as, as long as that's happening, the, collect, the, the, the way the government run isn't run for the people, it's run for individuals trying to gain. And again, that's something we spoke about. And all of this is, guys, this has been written 2,500 years ago in Plato's Republic. They speak about this, and you speak about Socrates speaking about it, um, which is interesting. So that's it for today, really. I've rambled on enough. I'm trying to walk around with my limp beard and stretch it out, but, you know, it's not going to plan. <laughs> um, but I hope you all have a good day. Remember, bring it back to the today, one day at a time, all that stuff is classic stuff we need to deal with now. It's been around for thousands of years. Um, so get your one big thing done, put your morning entry in the app, track your macros, use the plan or whatever you needed to get done and bring some awareness to your days, you know, thoughts are random, don't take them all seriously, right, and just observe them because otherwise you accept them and they run off all the time, it's going to cause you conflict and turmoil and that's not what we want, so observe them, get your one big thing done and you're making the most of today. Happy days, I'll be back tomorrow with another voice note from another piece of history from where I am. But other than that, have a good day, speak to you all soon.